This is Beth Butler, and thank you for listening to From the Ground Up, where we chat with people in and around the real estate industry. I have been in the real estate business for 35 years, and much of my experience has been about building the business from the ground up. And I'm pleased to share some of the people who I've met along the way and who have helped me build in this podcast. Hi, this is Beth Butler, and welcome to From the Ground Up, a podcast about Miami real estate. Today, I'm happy to have Brian Shapiro, who is the Senior Vice President of the Joanne Forrester team at Compass. He is a Miami native. He grew up in the biz licking and stamping direct mail envelopes for his mother, Joanne Forrester. Brian's career accomplishments are very entrepreneurial. He started his first company as a freshman at Emory with clients like Xerox, Motorola, Coca-Cola, Embassy Suites, and Hampton Inn. He then helped his dad run his dental and vision insurance company until he sold it to Humana. He started real estate marketing, a real estate marketing and technology company that was sold to Dominion Enterprises that is now part of Homes.com. Next, he helped start and was the president and chief technology officer of a real estate brokerage company like Redfin that raised $30 million plus, but unfortunately launched right during the four hurricanes of 2004 and then the housing crisis got it thereafter. He changed directions and started and sold an international alternative medicine company and that was a portal on altmd.com. For the last 10 years, he returned to his roots where he started when he was six years old, working with his mother in in real estate and is an integral part of one of the most successful Miami real estate teams that has been a top 10 producing team for at least the last 25 years. Welcome to From the Ground Up, Brian. Well, thank you. That was certainly a gracious introduction, and I'm excited to be here. We're so happy you're here, and I love that you're a Miami native. There are not many of us around, so I'm glad we're I, I'm glad we're we're here and we're gonna start. But before I do a deep dive into the numbers, I'd like to just ask you a few questions. Tell me a little bit about how you got into real estate. Wow. Well, you know, with a mom like Joanne, it's hard not to get into the business early. And uh, God, when she was managing Coconut Grove Realty on Commodore um, in the Grove, right next to where Lulu's is now, I pretty much had my, uh, you know, my, uh, what they call it uh, when you're a baby and you're in the the little box. Uh, But I basically grew up in Coconut Grove uh, realty with her. She was a single mom at the time. And, uh, as soon as I was old enough, she put me to work. So, you know, back then we didn't have uh, desktop publishing and color printing like we had now. So what, what the agents used to do was they would print um, a black and white brochure with the details of the home and they would leave a blank space in the middle. And then they would go out and they'd make lots of copies of an actual photograph and I would sit there and I would glue the photograph into the middle of the blank space on these brochures so that you'd have a photo um, on the brochures that she would pass out. So that's, that's basically how I got started in the business. I love that we had those discount coupons to get photos reproduced at Eckerd's. So that, yeah. that, that's, that's a bit of a time traveler for anybody else that's out there listening. How do you like working with your mother, Brian? 
Uh, overall, it's great. You know, we're a big family business, so it's not just me. It's also uh, my sister, Lauren, and uh, my aunt, Sandy, who's my uh, mother's sister. Um, so, you know, we're a big family business, and for the most part, it's great. You know, most of us spend more time at work these days than we do at home. And so it's a great way for us to, you know, to stay close and, and in constant contact. You know, it's, it's a struggle at times, as, as anybody who's been in a family business knows. It adds that, adds that extra, you know, element uh, to, to it. But it's great working with my mom. And I'm super lucky, you know, to have uh, a mom and a partner as, you know, as great as Joanne, I, I literally a day doesn't go by where someone doesn't go, Oh my God, you're Joanne's son. And tell me some amazing story about how, she, you know, great she was and all the deals they had done together and how they look up to her. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm in a fortunate uh, place. I think it's great. I, I love these mother, daughter, father, son, the family dynamics in real estate. I think we're, as an industry, more see more and more of those teams coming up. And I think it's an exciting part of our business and adds a real dimension to what especially residential res, uh, real estate should be about. So I think it's great that you all work together. Just switching gears just a little bit. I know you've got that strong background in technology. Talk about the importance of tech in real estate. That's, that's a great question. And, you know, really, um, every business is a technology business these days. Um, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether you're a sole proprietor, a five-person business, or a multinational corporation. Um, at the end of the day, we're all in the technology business these days. But, you know, real estate um, primarily is about information. Um, it's about what's available for sale, um, understanding uh, what, you know, has sold and at what values um, and, you know, what the various options are uh, for the buyers that we work with and for the sellers that we work with. And so, you know, at its very uh, root, real estate is an information technology business. Um, and so literally every aspect of what we do is touched by technology. Um, and these days, you know, every consumer has a supercomputer in their pocket. <laughs> you know, the, the cell phones these days are more powerful than what NASA used to send a man to the moon. Um, and consumers have access to more information today than they ever had. And so, you know, it's our job as realtors um, to have the tools and the technology to, to be everywhere uh, that our clients are, you know, that's on the internet, um, social media, emails, um, all, all kinds of, you know, communication platforms. And uh, it's, it's amazing how fast the industry has changed when, when I first started that real estate marketing and technology company, which was in 1999. Um, you know, if you, if you were to go and look at what Yahoo looked like back then, it was basically just a single page 
and Yahoo was the big search engine back then, but it was just a single page of links, um, you know, that were just organized into categories, basically. Um, and uh, realtor websites were basically, for those that had them, uh, they're basically just static brochures. You know, you'd put a picture of yourself out there with basically your bio and, you know, a couple of bullet points and, and they didn't do anything, um, you know, and, and what, what my technology company innovated back then was, was putting listings, properties on realtor websites so that consumers could search for homes online and save their favorites and get email updates when, you know, new properties that met their uh, search came on the market. And to think that, you know, that was 1999, 2000, and now, you know, 20 years later, uh, how far um, the market has come with artificial intelligence um, and just so many other amazing technologies. It's literally like every single day, some new uh, super cool technology that makes real estate better comes online. Um, most recently, you know, are these 3D walkthroughs that, you know, we're appreciating now more than ever because, you know, now uh, we have some more restrictions on in-person showings. And so these 3D walkthrough technologies allowing buyers, you know, from their living rooms right on their cell phones to literally walk through homes in 3D um, and get a really amazing look and feel of these homes before venturing out. It's just, it's technology is everything. I agree. And we certainly have come a long way. I love that you started when real estate websites were just brochures because we certainly come a long way, but I think that gives us a great sort of starting point of just how far we've come in a relatively short period of time. So with that in mind, what's your favorite real estate tech? Do you have one? <laughs> that, that is an extremely, you know, difficult uh, question to answer. There's so many great technologies out there, but, you know, I, I think that I'm going to have to go back to basics. Um, and it's not, it's not the sexy answer. Um, but the, my favorite real estate technology has to be the MLS. Um, you know, it's been around for a long time. Um, and it gets a bad rap from a lot of people for this reason and that, but, the MLS is the glue that, that holds our industry together and powers um, so much of what we do. The MLS is where we're able, you know, to find all of the properties, where we're able to send our clients properties, where we're able to research, you know, what's under contract and what has sold and pricing trends, where we're able to request and confirm appointments, where you know, we're able to integrate our websites and our apps into the MLS so consumers can search those homes, you know, from their phones and computers. Without the MLS, you know, none of that is possible. So all the other technologies are really secondary. Um, they make little parts of our business better, but without this huge database of all the properties that consumers and realtors can search so quickly and easily, None of the other stuff really matters. Super interesting take. I like that, though. And fundamentally, it's so true, right? Just getting to what you said before, that real estate is a data industry. And our data begins, really begins in earnest with the MLS. So I think that's great. So let's turn just a little bit now 
and talk about what's going on in the market in May 2020. What led you to do this current deep dive into the Miami real estate market? Well, you know, we're we're always um, focused on what's going on in the market. Like I said, at the end of the day, um, real estate is about information and realtors are about um, providing that information uh, with context and wisdom, you know, to our clients to help them make these extremely important buying and selling decisions. But, you know, it's, it's funny how I got into to doing this particular uh, market research uh, study that we started at the beginning of the quarantine uh, around middle of March. I'm in a, in a group for married businessmen with kids um, called Wake Up Warrior. Um, and, uh, there's, uh, thousands of, of men like me all across the country who, uh, are, are working hard every day to excel across the four core parts of our lives, our businesses, our bodies, our balance, which is our relationship with our wife and kids and, um, our spirituality. And, um, right when, um, the coronavirus started, to really um, hit hard, everybody was in a panic and fear and uncertainty were taking over. And um, the leaders of this Wake Up Warrior group I'm in organized a uh, conference call of all the, the top leaders in our group. And they said that, you know, everybody's online scrolling through all of this bad news, one fear um, and scary story after another, watching the news, one scary story after the other, and we're being dominated by fear and uncertainty, which is a natural, you know, human tendency. And now it's more important than ever for leaders to rise and lead um, and provide certainty, um, you know, and strength to your families, your employees, your customers, your communities. And each of you needs to find a way, whatever, you know, your particular skill set is to rise and expand and lead. It's more important now than ever. And as I was listening to this conference call for, you know, and, and there's just top, top business people from all across the world on this call, the voice inside of me just kept saying, you know, data and technology um, and information is something that you love and that you're particularly uniquely good at. And what people need more than ever right now is, is, you know, an objective look at what's going on in the market, minus all of the opinion, minus the fear, minus the uncertainty, so that people can understand um, what's going on and can start to make these important decisions. Um, you know, for a lot of us, we have the benefit of being able to sit back and, and play a wait and see game, but there's other people right now, you know, that, that have uh, life and financial needs to buy and sell. And so um, I just dove into it, you know, from that conference call um, and, uh, it's been amazing, uh, the engagement that we've had, 
um, within the industry, with our customers, um, you know, based on this information. Right now, what people want more than anything is information. They want to understand, you know, what's going on in their lives. And real estate is a big part of almost everybody's life. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. I think you and I actually talked about it a little bit before when I first started talking to you about this great COVID-19 report site and the data you've been tracking. People need the confidence that comes with solid numbers. They want to understand the trend. So I agree at that moment, right, there were people that were gloom and doom, right? I was the the first two weeks of the quarantine, I was waking up in the middle of the night thinking I'm either going to get sick and die or I'm going to go broke. And those were my two forward moving paths. So it really wasn't until kind of you settled down and walked away from the, the, the worst side of it started looking at Facebook to kind of get happy news. And then I saw the other side, which I call the irrational exuberance, right? The realtors, Hey, we're going to bounce back and get 10 times the business before this all came in. And so what I really loved about looking at your report, and I still look at it every single day is the solidness that comes from numbers and tracking the indicators and really understanding for me as a as a leader, for me as a real estate person, for anybody out there, I think good real estate agents know what to do when they understand what the market is. And your reports certainly give us where the market stands on a day-by-day basis. And with that, people can make good decisions about their business moving forward. So just for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people that are listening out there, thank you for doing this. Let's just get into the technology again just a little bit. What tools do you use to put the report together? <laughs> and, I, you know, it's, it's certainly a super geeky effort. Um, you know, I probably spend uh, 30 hours a week, um, you know, keeping the report up to date. And, you know, it was probably about 50 to 80 hours up front to get everything set up for the initial uh, framework. Uh, so I'm not going to get into all of the detail. It'll probably make, you know, a lot of people's heads spin. But uh, basically what we do is every single day we do a full export from the MLS. Again, the MLS is this amazing database uh, where um, all of the uh, current uh, homes uh, for sale uh, that are under contract, that are being reduced, Uh, that are being put on the market, taken off the market, put under contract, having contracts canceled, having contracts closed, all of those activities are going through the MLS. So every single day, we take a snapshot of all of that activity, and we import that into a Microsoft Access database because the MLS um, is basically user-driven. So you've got, you know, thousands of realtors of various levels um, putting all of this data into the MLS. And uh, it, it really needs to be cleaned um, to be most useful. I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, for various reasons, uh, listings are constantly being taken off and put on the market. Um, sometimes it's because, you know, sellers, um, want to take it off the market for a little while while something's going on. Sometimes um, 
people believe that if you take it off and then you put it back on, it helps marketing because all the third-party websites like Zillow send out their new listing alerts. And so, you know, if you just look at the activity in the MLS, it looks like there's a gazillion new listings all the time. But we actually go through every single new listing every single day, one at a time. And we look at the history of the listing um, and the circumstances behind it being taken off and put back on. And based on that, we determine if it's truly a new listing or if it's a back on market listing, a listing that was taken off for whatever reason and then within a short amount of time put back on. And so if we didn't clean uh those those type of data points, and there's many, many, many other examples, um, really the data can look really, really good or really, really bad. Um, so we put it into this uh, Microsoft Access database, and we run about 20 different uh, cleanup tests against it. Um, and then once it's clean and standardized the best we can, then we uh, take it from Microsoft Access and we put it into uh, Google Data Studio, which is an analytics uh, package from Google. And it's just an amazing product, uh, like so many of other Google's products. And it takes that data, and it allows us to build all of these uh, different charts on top of the data. So we currently have um, about 55 uh, very, very detailed charts off this data where we look at everything uh, from new listings to off-market listings to price reductions uh, to uh, new contracts to canceled contracts to closed uh, sales by price, by zip code, by property type, by all combinations of these things. Uh, and we produce over 50 very, very detailed yet at the same time easy to understand visualizations to make this massive amount of data simple, you know, for people to, to know, are things going up? Are they going down? What's the trend? And we do all of that in uh, Google data studio. Then uh, we uh, once a week uh, copy all of those charts from Google data studio. We annotate them. Um, in an online graphic design program where we put uh, uh, labels all over each chart. Oh, this was 3% up this week and this was 5% down this week so that we can, we can point out uh, for everybody looking at these charts important trends um, and changes that we're seeing. And then we take those and we put them online into the report website that we built uh, and we add... Um, uh, expert insights and narrative for every report. Um, and so that's the general gist of, of what we do. And we do that every single day, seven days a week. We've been doing it for eight weeks straight now. What leading indicators are you tracking, Brian? Well, you know, like I, I mentioned just, just before, we're tracking all of these things, but uh, my mom likes to say that real estate, for all its, all its complexity, is very simple. <laughs> you list and you sell. So at the end of the day, we have listings and we have sales. And, you know, those are the two uh, main categories that we're tracking. And within each one, we're breaking it down um, into, um, on the sales side, 
new contracts, canceled contracts, closed contracts on the listing side, new listings, listings being taken off the market, uh, listings being reduced. Um, and one of the reasons why I felt it was important for us to do our own data analysis, because there, you know, there is pre-existing data out there, um, was that most of what people historically look at are closed sales, you know, because that's where the money is. Um, and, and that's where all the focus typically is. Um, the problem is closed sales are a trailing indicator. What's closing today was put under contract 30, 45, 60, 90 days ago. Most of the sales that have actually closed, you know, during the quarantine over the last eight weeks, uh, were put under contract before the quarantine. And so, um, you know, we know that those sales weren't canceled along the way, but but we really don't know a whole lot more because it's such a trailing indicator. So for us, the thing we really wanted to look at was how many sellers, um, given all of the fear and uncertainty in the marketplace, um, have the confidence to put their home on the market for sale, how many sellers who had their home on the market uh, for whatever reason, thought it best right now to take that home off the market, either temporarily or permanently. Um, how many sellers who um, are new to the market or have been on the market feel like the, the best uh, course of action to get a successful result is to reduce their price? Um, so that's all on the one side, on the listing side. And then on the sales side, how many buyers, given the current fear and uncertainty uh, and logistical challenges in the market, have the confidence um, and financial wherewithal to make offers on homes, to go under contract on a home, um, and then ultimately uh, to pursue that contract you know, to a closing? And so we're really focused on new contracts, um, and new listings. To, to me, that tells you uh, the most about what's currently going on in real time in the marketplace with closed sales, again, lagging by 30, 60, you know, 90, and in some cases, more days. So tell us what you're seeing about the COVID-19 impact overall so far. Well, you know, it's it's been an evolution from the beginning, um, and if you know just in our personal lives, putting putting the the real estate data aside for a second, you know we're all personally in a different place than we were eight or nine weeks ago when you know schools were just being closed and none of us really knew what to expect and you know everything was was so uncertain and all of us have started to settle into a new new. Um, you know, and started to get more and more comfortable with the current reality. And we've seen that same evolution happen um, in the data. So um, what we, what we uh, originally saw um, was uh, fewer and fewer new contracts in the beginning. So, you know, let's back up to... Uh, mid-March, and it's important, I think, that the, the best kind of um, uh, time frame 
to, to think about all of the starting in is March 15th because that's when uh, schools were closed. So that's when things really started to get serious uh, locally. And when you look at the chart of new contracts, you know, for that time, what you see is uh, new sales uh, free falling, basically, while at the same time, cancellations for existing sales uh, skyrocketing. And that makes sense, you know, in, in light of everything that was going on when the pandemic first started and they're closing schools and they're telling you you can't go to work anymore, what's the, the natural you know, human tendency is to stop, you know, going under contract on, on homes and for people who were under contract to pull back and cancel those contracts. And so we saw this double whammy, fewer and fewer new deals and more and more canceled deals. Um, and, you know, that, that really impacts future closings because what's going to close in 30, 60, 90 days from today are contracts that are being executed today. And so we had very, very few contracts surviving uh, those early periods. The, the few contracts that had been out there, you know, were mostly being canceled. And um, at the time, uh, we had, uh, I'm looking right now um, at uh, uh, late March, early April, uh, we had nearly 50% of contracts being canceled, um, you know, during during that time frame. Um, what we've seen since uh, is we've seen more and more new contracts being written and fewer and fewer cancellations of those contracts. So we're having more and more net contracts um, added to the pipeline uh, of deals that will close in the next 30, 45, 60 days or so. So, uh, for example, um, I'm looking right now, one, two, three, four. The last five weeks, we've had um, a net increase of uh, new contracts of 9% or more. So we've had five straight weeks of 9% or more growth of new contracts um, including last week, we had a 21% increase in new contracts versus the week before, which was 17% uh, versus the week before, which was 21% uh, more than the week before that. So, you know, every single week, buyers are executing more and more new contracts, canceling fewer and fewer of those contracts. And so while sales um, are down. Closed sales are down pretty significantly, and I'll touch on that just in a second. Um, the market is definitely headed in the right direction. Um, we absolutely see a light at the end of the tunnel, um, and these deals that are being put in place now are the ones that are going to close again in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Unfortunately, uh, we have seen a pretty significant uh, impact to close sales over the last eight weeks. Interestingly enough, right after uh, the quarantine, uh, right after that March 15th date when schools were closed, we actually had a 25% spike in 
close sales. It was almost like everybody was rushing to get deals done before the inevitable shutdown happened. And we see this really unusual 25% uh, spike in that first week of um, the quarantine. But then we see a 9% uh, decrease the next week in closed sales, a 10% decrease the week after, a massive 28% uh, decrease in the third week of the quarantine. So we were closing uh, about 450 sales in Miami-Dade County a month in January and February. Um, and by uh, early April, we were only uh, closing 338 uh, sales that week. Um, and then sales started to stabilize. So for the next three weeks between early April um, and the end of April, sales, for the most part, flattened out, which was a really positive sign. And then two weeks ago, uh, we had an amazing uh, week where sales were up 23% and almost back to the same level that they were in January and February. Uh, but this last week, um, between May 3rd and May 9th, we had an unexpected uh very significant decrease. Sales dropped 53% last week compared to two weeks ago. And uh, last week, we only had 192 closings versus, again, about 450 that we were seeing in January and February. Now, some of that uh, decrease can be attributed to the fact that there's usually a delay in reporting sales. So, you know, a lot of the sales from last week are being put in today and tomorrow and, you know, even into next week. And so these numbers will be revised up. But even after revision, we're going to see that it dipped again uh, last week. And, and that makes sense because, again, um, the things that are closing now were put under contract 30, 69 days ago. And 30, 60 days ago was the beginning, you know, of the quarantine. And so we're going to see a bumpiness over the next couple of months, I think, into the third quarter. Um, but the, the most positive sign and the thing I'll leave us with on this question is that uh, we see a massive increase in uh, new contracts. We see a significant decrease in cancellations. In fact, cancellations were at the lowest point um, uh, since the beginning of the quarantine for the last three weeks in a row. So for the last three weeks, we've had each week a new low for cancellations, and that's going to show up in closings in 30, 45, and 60 days from now. And we're definitely, um, you know, in, I believe, a slow and steady recovery. Thanks for that. I think that's a, that's a lot to digest, but good news overall. So let's just go to the other indicator listings, and can you just talk for a minute about, we know pendings are picking up, Closed sales are picking up. What about listings? Are they increasing, decreasing, and 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 what does the price overall look like? So I'm going to touch on the last part of the question to first, and then I'll come back. Price is very difficult to look at in the short term, um, and we do monitor price. We monitor price of closings. We monitor price of new listings. We monitor uh, price of new contracts. We monitor. Um, all of the price reductions, but 
Um, it tends to fluctuate a lot, and there's not really a clear um, trend that I could say prices are up or prices are down. Um, I look at the data on a weekly basis um, across all different property types and locations, um, and there's no clear trend yet of pricing. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, is a trailing indicator. We're not going to see major um, impacts to pricing probably uh, for several weeks and even months. Um, I think commonsensically we can expect, you know, prices to, to drop. Um, I don't anticipate in the immediate term or short, short term that prices will increase um, you know, I hope that they stay relatively steady. We'll probably see uh, some decrease, uh, but I have not noticed any uh, clear change yet in pricing across listings, new contracts, or closed contracts. Um, in terms of the number of new listings, you know, it follows a very similar trend as new contracts. Um, and that makes sense. You know, you've got all of these sellers and, and keep in mind, the market was booming in Miami, um, in early March. Um, we were on fire. Uh, and so we're, we're entering this, you know, from an extremely, extremely strong local market. But if you have your house on the market, um, and all of a sudden, uh, they're telling you, you've got to stay home because, uh, COVID is highly contagious and you have your kids at home homeschooling and you're working from home on Zoom calls all day, uh, having people come into your house, and you know, especially back in, you know, middle to late March, having people come into your house and do showings, you know, it's scary. And it's also logistically a little more challenging than normal because everybody's home, you know, doing school and working. So as you would expect, in the early weeks of the quarantine, uh, what you see is fewer and fewer new listings and more and more sellers taking their home off the market. So uh, that, that trend continued until early April. Um, and if you look at any of the listing charts on the report, um, you can see it clear. The, the lines go pretty steeply down uh, starting March 15th into early April. But then what starts to happen is, again, people are starting to get used to the new, new normal. Um, and so more and more sellers start listing their homes for sale. Fewer and fewer sellers are taking their homes off the market. And we've seen a very steady increase in new listings. So last week, we had a 20% increase in new listings. The week before, new listings were up 11%. They were up 10% the week before that, and they were up 14% the week before that. So for the last four weeks in a row, new listings have increased by 10% or more, um, and that number reached 20% last week. Um, so the first four weeks were all down, 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 and the last four weeks are all up, 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 as more and more sellers are getting the confidence um, that Things are going to be okay uh, and putting their homes on the market and fewer, fewer uh, sellers are, you know, reacting out of fear and pulling their homes from the market. And at the same time, I should add that the industry has also developed new 
um, safety and logistical and technological practices to, to facilitate all of this. So, you know, when the quarantine first happened, who would have known what a virtual open house was, you know, who would have, who would have known that you can do uh, virtual notaries and how you were going to photograph new listings and um, what the, the proper protocols were for showing a house and, and all of these things. And over the last eight weeks, everybody's come together and figured all of this out. Um, and, you know, now not only is a lot of the fear and uncertainty you know, subsiding in, in buyer and seller psychology, but the industry has adapted new practices and technologies that are enabling people to move forward. And so all of this is happening at the same time. Um, the data uh, has, has shown it very clear and, you know, we're feeling it in our business. I talked to top agents, not just around Miami, but um, the country almost on a daily basis and, and everybody is feeling it in their business. Um, showings are up, offers are up, new listings are up, um, web traffic and phone calls and inquiries are up. Um, and, um, you know, despite some significant challenges ahead, I don't want it to paint, you know, a totally rosy uh, picture. Um, people are positive and things are moving forward. Right. I mean, to be fair, we're still down from this same time last year. It is our uh, typically March, April and May are very busy months in the Miami real estate cycle. So business is definitely off. But I think the whole point to here is it's not without hope. Things are picking up. This isn't going to be where everything comes to a grinding stop and nobody is transacting real estate. It is picking up. People have adapted. People are resilient. Buyers and sellers are resilient. And things, the, 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 the market is moving. With that in mind, have you noticed that there's any price segmentation? Are certain markets more impacted than others? Absolutely. Um, and interestingly enough, it's, it's changed a little over time. You know, the, the million dollar plus upper end of the market was the first to pull back. And those sellers were the first to take their homes off the market. Um, and they uh, have been the, the slowest to get back into the market. Um, but more recently, um, and overall, what we see is that the 500000 and under price segment um, clearly has been hit the hardest. Uh, so, for example, uh, 500000 um, uh, and under uh, sales were down. I'm just pulling up the number now. We're down uh, 55% last week and, and are down 62% below their pre-quarantine average. Um, do, and do, do you think that's do you think that's financing? I mean, what 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 do you think that is? Is inventory getting super short supplied? What what do you think are some of the contributory factors here? Well, uh, I'll opine, but you know, one of the reasons why I. I went into the data was because I like to let the data speak for itself without, you know, trying to rub my crystal yeah. ball. But, 
Um, but but I we do want believe... your expert opinion <laughs> hear, here. Yeah. So please opine. I think that um, the number one reason that that we're seeing the under five hundred thousand impacted uh, the most significantly is because, unfortunately, those employees that that part of our workforce has been impacted the most uh, by the shutdown. Um, you know, those are many of uh, the uh, workers who have been laid off um, or furloughed, whereas, you know, many uh, of the people in the, the uh, million dollar plus range, for example, are still working from home, um, you know, and uh, are own their own businesses and, you know, haven't been as affected financially. Um, and I think that's a big part of, of what you're seeing play out um, in in the market, um, you know, from a financing point of view, um, actually, right now, pretty much the only type of easy financing is 500 or under, you know, which are the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac conventional loans. Um, the the jumbo uh, non-conventional financing, uh, despite mortgage rates being, you know, at absolute historic lows, um, because the secondary mortgage market, you know, where mortgages are bundled uh, and sold to investors has, has really frozen up over the last eight weeks. And uh, it's, it's challenging to get a jumbo loan right now. Most of the, the financing is actually in the, you know, 500,000 and under range. But again, I think that, that that segment of the market has been the most impacted uh, by the economic issues that we're dealing with right now. Uh, the other uh, segment that's been uh, definitely impacted more than any other is condos. Um, so condos were down 64% last week and are down a staggering 73% uh, from their pre-quarantine average. So we were doing about um, 185 condo sales a week um, in January and February. And uh, last week we had 50, um, you know, so you're talking about a 73% uh, decrease in condo closings. And we see the same um, with new contracts. And to opine on that one, um, I think that uh, the, the reasons are twofold. I think number one, and we're hearing this from a lot of our clients, um, I think more and more people uh, are starting to question whether a condo is the right place to be. You know, I've been sequestered for eight weeks on half an acre in Pinecrest um, with two trampolines, a full soccer and lacrosse field in my backyard, a pool, my kids bike all around the neighborhoods. Um, and while it's still been, you know, challenging being locked up at home with my three uh, teenage children during this time and, and working from home at the same time, uh, compared to our friends and our clients who um, have been quarantined in condos 
and the condos have all of the amenities closed. And if you want to leave, you have to venture into the shared hallway and a shared elevator um, in pretty tight spaces. You know, I think that there's definitely a number of people who uh, have been in condos who are starting to think more about single family homes and townhomes. And you actually see an unbelievable spike in townhome uh, contracts, which is one of the most surprising outcomes of all of this. Um, and I think the other reason why you see such an impact to condos is it's logistically very challenging right now to show um, and, and close on condos. So many condos are not allowing showings at all. I had a request to show one of our uh, units at the Ritz and Coconut Grove. Um, the building won't let us in. Um, even if you have someone who wants to go under contract, getting inspectors in is challenging. Um, and then you have to try to get condo board approval, which, you know, right now they're, they're not meeting as regularly. And so there's all those logistical challenges, you know, impacting condos. So the end result is that condos are down, you know, 75%, um, over the last eight weeks. That is a, you know, dramatic, um, impact. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think also I consistently am hearing that from other urban markets where there are condominiums, residential condominiums in the downtown corridor. A lot of, there is a flight to single family that I think is happening in a lot of cities all over the country. It'll be interesting to see how that holds out over time, but I think certainly people are feeling that it's, better to quarantine in a place where you can step outside in the backyard or hop in a pool as opposed to uh, just extending yourself to your balcony at best. So it, it'll be interesting to see if that can continues. You talked about townhouses. Is there anything else that's surprising you about what you're seeing in the market? Well, you know, I'll say say three things have really surprised me. Um, just to touch on the townhomes, um, townhome contracts are actually um, up more than they were before the quarantine started. Um, so it's the only segment of the market where uh, we're doing more sales today than we were before um, COVID. And I think that one of the reasons why is that if you're coming from um, a condo, um, in part because condos are more affordable than single-family homes, a townhouse is kind of a lateral move in, in terms of affordability where single-family homes tend to be more expensive. And so for a lot of people who are looking to get out of townhomes, um, you know, where, where budget is a major factor, a townhome uh, you know, becomes the most viable alternative. And so uh, townhome contracts um, have have been up five of the last six weeks and are above where they started uh, before uh, the quarantine. So that's been surprising. The, the other surprising um, thing is one of the outcomes of, of, 
COVID and the current environment is that a lot of the looky-loos and less serious, less qualified buyers um, aren't out there right now. Um, the buyers who are taking the time to actually go out in person in masks and gloves and see homes um, and write contracts um, are, are the most serious uh, buyers that we've experienced in a long time, if not forever. Um, and what's, what's surprising, and it makes sense looking back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but what's surprising is how few contracts are being canceled right now, um, compared to, uh, you know, what, what was the historic rate. And I think a big part of that is, you know, if you're going out right now, and you're making offers on homes, and you're going under a contract on a house and putting a deposit, it's because you're serious about buying right now. I mean, yes, there's people out there who are opportunists who are looking for, you know, steals. Um, but uh, the majority of people who are out there are out there because they need um, to buy for some life reason. They're moving here to get out of New York. Um, they sold something and they need to buy. Um, they're getting married, they're getting divorced, and um, we're seeing a historically low rate of cancellations that we have not seen in a long time. And, and to me, again, it makes sense looking back and kind of piecing the puzzle together, but it's not something I would have anticipated eight weeks ago. I would have said cancellations will continue you know, to be very high as people you know, are, are scared and uncertain um, but that's, that's not been the case. And the third thing that's been surprising, and I guess it shouldn't be, um, is just how resilient, uh, people are, um, and how quick we adapt to almost any situation. Um, you know, it's only been eight weeks and these have been a crazy eight weeks. You almost forget what eight weeks ago was like when we heard on the news for the first time that my kids weren't going to be going to school for the rest of the year, you know, and we were all going to be teaching from home and our office was going to be closed. And I mean, the sky was falling back then. And yet um, last week we closed 200 deals in Miami-Dade County. We put another 500 and uh, uh, 520 or so homes under contract last week. We listed hundreds of new homes. Um, business is happening. You know, people are adapting. Um, and uh, the market, uh, you know, we're down. I mean, again, we've talked about this. It's, you know, it's going to remain challenging, you know, for at least the next couple months, if not through this year. But it's it's been unbelievably inspiring, you know, just how resilient and adaptive people are. The buyers, the sellers, realtors, the lenders, the attorneys, the title companies, you know, the photographers, the inspectors, the appraisers. I mean, these are all people who, while everybody else is mostly quarantined at home, are out there you know, doing inspections and appraisals and closings, and they're happening every day. Um, and, you know, that's, that's been surprising how fast 
things, you know, have normalized, stabilized and are, are starting to come back. Yeah, thank you. I think I think that's great. And you're and you're right. It is amazing how quickly people have adapted, especially in real estate. I think that's what I see the most, at least, is that people that first resistance, nobody's going to look at a virtual showing has quickly transformed to I did two deals last week, all of them virtual showings, virtual transactions from beginning to end, things that we never would have even considered a possibility three months ago is now a day-to-day happening. And that's, it is inspiring. It is amazing to me. Like I said it earlier, good real estate agents will always figure out what to do. You just have to help define what it is they're dealing with and then they'll figure it out. So thanks for that. Um, where, where do you think is the bright spot in this? Is there a silver lining statistic? I mean, you've shared a lot of good news, but is there one you want to reiterate here or call to light that you'd consider your bright spot? You know, not to, to go through all the numbers again, because I know it makes a lot of people's heads spin. Um, but th- the bright spot is that uh, new contracts are up significantly. We've had five straight weeks of, you know, increasing number of new contracts cancellations are down significantly. Uh, We've had three straight weeks of record low cancellations since uh, the quarantine began. And while closed sales, um, you know, are down almost 60% from where we were in January and February, it's these deals, these all these new deals with fewer and fewer cancellations that are going to close in 30 and 45 and 60 days from now when we really start to see the beginning of the recovery um, kick in. And so there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, And, you know, we feel very optimistic about the local market. There's going to be pain. You know, I want to reiterate that it's going to, you know, be a process Um, But eight weeks ago, we were freaked out um, and the sky was falling. And today we're hopeful um, and the data backs it up. So that leads us into a great thing. Tell us how people can find your report online. So um, we update it every single week um, and it's available online at COVID-19 Real Estate Report. Uh, COVID-19, no dash, COVID-19, realestatereport.com. Okay, and you're just covering Miami-Dade there? We we cover all of Miami-Dade County residential, so single-family homes, condos, and townhouses. Okay, great. Now, say the website one more time. COVID-19, realestate.com. Okay, perfect. Last question here before we get into our lightning round. Any personal observations, anecdotes, stories you want to share that you've seen during this quarantine that you think people that are listening would want to hear about? You guys do a lot of transactions. You're in a lot of markets. So if there's anything you'd like to share, we'd love to hear it. Um, you know, two quick quick stories. Um Uh, The first was um, about a month ago, right in the peak of 
the quarantine, when there was still a lot of fear and uncertainty, um, I showed a house in the Grove that had been on the market since July. Those buyers immediately submitted um, a contract in the $2 million range, um, and we're closing uh, sometime in the next two weeks. So, you know, that was a home that had been on the market uh, for almost a year. And in the peak of uh, the quarantine, we did an in-person showing with masks and gloves and, you know, all the uh, precautions. Um, and uh, we're under contract in the $2 million range to close soon. So that's a great success story. And the other is, you know, just to speak of what you were saying about, you know, these virtual showings, um, I was at a new listing of ours in Coconut Grove for for 3.1 million, uh, doing an in-person showing. And, and when it was over, I said, you know what, I'm just going to turn my Facebook live on and do a quick virtual open house. I, there was no prior advertising. I, I hadn't really even thought about it before. I just was there and I said, well, I'm here, you know, let me do a quick virtual open house. And, uh, we've had, uh, you know, 200 and, and some people watch, that virtual open house with no advertising. So it's unbelievable, um, you know, how, how people are responding to these changes. And yes, there's, there's so many stories um, out there, you know, in our community and in our business and with our clients, uh, we could do a whole nother podcast just on those stories, but um, you know, Joanne and I are inspired um, and extremely hopeful. Uh, and that's not sales speak. We feel that energy. Um, we feel that this is a unique opportunity um, for everyone, for our families, for the community, for our businesses, you know, to reassess um, how, how we were doing things personally and professionally. Um, and, you know, to rise and expand to this challenge of our times. And we think, you know, we're going to come out stronger um, when, when all of this is said and done. That's great. Thank you. And because this podcast is called From the Ground Up, we'd like to close with a lightning round of questions okay. about you and how you grew from the ground up. So just real quick Q&A. Where were you born? I was born at Mercy Hospital in Coconut Grove. There you go. Right close to the office. Birth order. Brothers, sisters, firstborn, secondborn, only child. <laughs> I, I am the only biological child, but I have um, a stepsister, a stepbrother, and two half-sisters. And who where are, are you in that me. group? All, I so, am, so, so you, I'm by far the, the oldest. alpha male. <laughs> The alpha male in your family. Okay, At academic least in my own background. Mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I started out at Coconut Grove Elementary. Um, I went to McGlannon, which is a small school for dyslexia. Um, I went to Gulliver and graduated from Gables High, and I went to college at Emory in Atlanta. Very good. Who is your best teacher? God. Uh, maybe it says something about me or my my school experience that I don't remember too many uh, teachers. I do remember one 
Her name was Miss Prentergast. And I, I remember that she would always say, a word to the wise is sufficient to thy day. <laughs> I like that. I like that. What did you major in in college? I was a philosophy major and religion minor. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, was your, what, what was your first job? Oh, my first job was... You know, like I said, putting photos on a brochure. Then I started a car washing business in Lermitage. And then I started my first real company as a freshman in college. That's great. Who's your best mentor? I've had a lot of great mentors, um, but I'd have to say my mom, um, you know, she was a single mom. Uh, I've grown up with her. Um, personally and in the business, and, you know, she's a one-of-a-kind. That she is. We love her. Tell us about your current familiar status. Um, I'm married for uh, 22 years. Um, met my wife at uh, the insurance company that we both worked for way back when, and we have three children uh, my son is 15. My youngest daughter just turned 10 last week. We had a virtual birthday party for her. It was quite the experience. And uh, my other daughter is 14. Where do you live and what do you like best about your house? I live in Pinecrest. And I love the fact that uh, my house is perfect for my family. Like I said in the beginning, I have two trampolines, a full-size soccer net, the cross, the pool, the skateboards, the bikes. And, you know, my kids are just uh, all over all of it. It's great. So since we're all suffering from a little bit of wanderlust, what, lust, what's your favorite vacation spot? I... I go between uh, the Keys and skiing. Um, but since I don't get to go skiing more than once a year in good years, I love to drive down uh, and spend the weekend on the water in the Keys. Very nice. Tell us about your morning routine. My morning routine is insane. Um, you know, part of this Wake Up Warrior group I spoke about earlier, I'm up every day at 430 um, I run between five and 10 miles. I meditate. I journal. Um, I send love letters to my wife and kids. Um, and I drink a, uh, green smoothie. And that is our, uh, morning routine seven days a week. We, we have a, uh, an app that we track all of that in and that sets us up for, uh, having a great day. Up at 4.30 and all of that probably before I ever wake up. Congratulations. That's a great morning routine. <laughs> what do you consider What do you consider your biggest failure? Oh, wow. Um, that is a, an excellent question. I would say since, since this is a relatively business-oriented uh, podcast, um, the real estate company that we started in 2004, we raised over $30 million for, 
Um, we had the most amazing business plan and technology as you'd expect to raise that kind of money and management team and um, just so much promise. But uh, right when we launched was the four hurricanes of 2004. That was Katrina. Um, it was a brutal, brutal year. And then right when um, we started to recover from the hurricanes was the housing bubble and crisis. And uh, we we had to close shop and it, it was extremely disappointing. Yeah, I don't think that time was great for anybody, but it was certainly a, a rough time to try and start a real estate company, that's for sure. So let's flip to the other side. What do you consider your biggest success? My biggest success uh, is my family. Um, you know, I've been married for almost 23 years. I have three great uh, kids. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the most important thing in the world to me, everything else. And I've had great business success, but everything else is secondary. Do you have an aspirational goal? My aspirational goal is, um, to, uh, live a life of purpose and passion feeling alive and on fire um, across those four key domains that I mentioned earlier, my, my business, my wife and kids, my spirituality and my health and fitness. Um, and uh, that's, that's not easy to achieve, but every day I'm up at four 30 doing the work to get there. Yeah, it sounds like it. What's been your favorite part of quarantine? <laughs> wow. Um, my favorite part of quarantine is um, rediscovering family time. Um, you know, uh, we all make trade-offs in our lives, um, primarily around work, um, you know, to support and feed and do all of those things for our families. And we don't realize how many times we put things off till tomorrow. I'll do the bike ride tomorrow. I'll watch you, you know, kick the ball tomorrow. We'll do family dinner tomorrow. And tomorrow is then tomorrow. And, you know, we make all of these trade-offs, especially as realtors, when we work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and I'm having family dinner six nights a week now um, where we sit down, we laugh, we joke, we go on bike rides. You know, these are things that, that you know, we, we never – I mean, we did them, and I've always been super involved with my family, but, you know, not like it is now, and, and hopefully – you know, these are things that that will stick with us even when we get back to normal. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people have had a similar revelation and feeling about quarantine. And it's been really interesting how we all look back and realize how busy we really were, but busy at being busy, right? And now focusing on what matters most, including family, seems to be a big takeaway from life in quarantine. So thank you for sharing with that. 
Um, before we sign off, Brian, where can people connect with you besides the website, which we talked about earlier? Um, are you on Instagram? You have social media handles. What's the best way someone can be get in touch with you? If they want to follow up after listening to the podcast. So yes, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Brian Shapiro. Um, but probably the best way is, uh, by email. And so my email is Brian, B R I A N at unique homes of Miami.com. Brian at unique homes of Miami.com or just Google Brian Shapiro, Joanne Foster team. And, uh, it will point all the different ways to find me. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brian. I really appreciate you being our guest here on From the Ground Up. You are not only the, gave us a deep dive into the Miami real estate numbers, but I love that you kept coming back to the balance in your life and the four things you're trying to work on and really appreciate that we got to know you a little bit better. And thank you personally and for, I'm sure, a whole bunch of people that are looking at your website and using it as our basis of information of how to deal with the quarantine. And I hope you'll come back maybe in four to six weeks and give us an update. That would be great. And thanks so much for having me. This episode of From the Ground Up was sponsored by Feather the Nest, the crowdfunding source for all of your real estate needs. Why register for silverware when you can start your way to owning or renting your own home? Please sign up for your nest at www.featherthenest.com. A special thanks to my extraordinary producer, Sohail Fazluddin, who has made this podcast possible.